are you freaked out at all? I'm not, but you know, um, I'm starting to think maybe we ought to take this a little more serious. You are a 77 year old man. 77 year old diabetic overweight man, yeah. Mm. And um, and what made you? What's changed your mind uh, over the over the last week or so? Because like I, I guess one of the things that I per, in my personal life that I tracked as like a sea change was you're supposed to come here. You're supposed to be in New York right now visiting me, <laughs> but also going to your brother's 70th birthday party that was like on and then i was do you remember i was i called you and i was like i'm not sure this is a good idea right for you to come here and you're like no no we're gonna come we're gonna come yeah we, uh, we, we, and i've been i've been i've been saying <laughs> it's like your generation like the boomers I, you guys have been going kamikaze in this thing you know um yeah what's what's changed your mind okay so um i've been watching a lot of news which i usually do but now lately the news what? is all coronavirus uh, what news have you been watching uh i watch the sunday news shows i watch uh a lot of fox news i watch nbc news i read the paper yeah um i mean dr fushi is uh i think an incredible guy he's very bright and he's a great fauci. Fauci. fauci fauci he's a great communicator i mean he's he he as bright as he is he says it in down-to-earth language that um you know gets across so um you know and and he was talking about the curve and and trying to just stay ahead of it and what they're trying to do is uh delay they know that most everybody's going to get this thing um but what they're trying to do is delay the onset of a lot of it so that um it's not all hitting the hospitals at one time and overwhelming the systems and that makes sense so Anyway, I mean, we were supposed to go to New York. We were going to my brother's 70th, and uh, we had tickets to a Broadway show. And uh, I don't know. I started thinking about that, and maybe it didn't make sense. So then my brother called me, and he lives in L.A., even though his birthday was going to be in New York. Um, And he was thinking about not doing it and canceling it. He says, you know, we can do this anytime. We don't have to do this now. And what are we crazy? So I said, well, just let me know, you know. And then so he called me back. He talked it over with his daughters and his wife. And uh, I guess they all came to the agreement to cancel the party. So with that being said, I said, well, then I, I'm not going to go. I mean, you know, I can I, I can always go to New York. I don't have to go now. Um, so we canceled and canceled everything. Um, so that was step one. That was... You know, that was it. I I was still going to not really change my life in terms of eating out and going to restaurants and stuff. But there's been a lot of talk about that. And um, why? Why were you? This is like I was talking to my friend Chula in Argentina, who's like, you know, one of her her dad passed away a couple years ago and her mom's also older now. And and we've both been talking about, like, the struggles of having to, like, talk our parents down from going like a moth to the flames of like normal life like it seems like there's this generational divide where people my age or people younger sort of understand like this is a very serious thing that being said i did see a lot of stories in the news and also anecdotally walking around new york in my neighborhood and seeing like crowded bars and stuff so it's there are young people that are not heeding the 
instructor. It's interesting. But it's interesting because I I, I was watching the the uh, Sunday shows today. I, I came away with somewhat of a mixed message, um, which is bizarre because they're telling young people, they're telling everybody to stay out of you know crowded places and stuff, and um, but. They're also concerned in some places, some cities, they're concerned about the loss of business to, you know, the restaurants and the bars and the loss of the economy. And so some young people have it in their head, well, we can support the economy, the local economy, by just going out. We're not going to be, we're not that susceptible to death. We may get it, but, you know, it's not going to be that traumatic for us. Okay, well, like, let me, let me just stop you because we are going to get to that. I have that here on my list of things I want to talk about is, the economic impact of this and then like on the granular level what should actual individual people be doing because i have a very specific point of view about this but let's 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 uh, let's address the question i asked which is like is there some generational thing happening where like if the moment has come for your children to take your keys away because there does get to a point right like this isn't like new or particular <laughs> to people in your cohort but like there comes a point where you got to have the conversation with mommy or daddy like listen like we don't want you driving anymore you know we don't want you going to bars and restaurants we don't want you like going to a party or like getting on an airplane and like flying across the country like what is it what why is this uh, that you guys ha- seem to have this like generational, like you know, resistance to it, it's, doing, it's, adhering to the instructions. It's, it's not a resistance to adhering to instructions. It's you know we like our life and we want to live it and we want to enjoy things and and um, you know so so we don't want to be told you can't have a car anymore. That's independence, man. That's, you know, my car is, gives me the ability to get out and do stuff. Um, without it, I pro- I'm not saying you shouldn't drive. No, I right? understand. Like I'm not at that stage. I'm using it as a metaphor. Understood. Because we all understand. Understood. We all understand that people get, elderly people get to a point where they want to keep driving, but we all can as a society agree they shouldn't, right? At some point, and I guess it's a very individual thing. I mean, there are yeah. there are 100-year-olds who are capable of driving, and there are 60-year-olds sure. that shouldn't. What I'm saying is, sure, but what I'm saying is, is like, the entire wor- country and world probably is coming together to shut down like our normal behavior patterns, our normal way of socializing, our normal way of like living our lives. Not because like I'm worried I'm gonna die. It's because like we're worried you guys are gonna die. Right. You know? Right. And so it kind of it's it's coming across as like very jarring and bizarre and almost like um, infantile to see like people who are in the age group that are especially at risk taking risks that like people my age are like going out of their way to not take for the you know for your sake for the sake of you guys yeah yeah i i hear you and and i am coming slowly to the to the decision that uh maybe we shouldn't be doing these things and that's why i today i bobby is the the lady I, i share my life with and we had this discussion because she's also my age uh and a higher risk so we came to that decision, I think, separately, and yet we just had this conversation just before. She went out and to the to the supermarket and bought some stuff so we could have dinner tonight home. And we had, like I said, we had uh, brunch here today at home. 
um, we just came to that conclusion. It doesn't make sense to take that. And I think it's sooner rather than later because I think that curve is going to um, diminish because I think that it's it's not going to be as bad as it is in Italy. It's not going to be as bad as it was in China. Uh, why 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 do you think because that? I think why that think I think that we this country has cut down, uh, put limits on things pretty early on in the early onset. Um, okay, the well, first the first wave just, just the first wave of this was China and China was people from China was stopped coming here and early on and that was a good thing and it wasn't stopped in Europe and that's why. All of those uh, cases are springing up. But go ahead. Let me just tell go you, ahead. China, one of the big differences and things that's just important to understand here is that like China is not a democracy, and China has a very authoritarian way of dealing with this crisis, which data is indicating is going to show that they, because of their ability to like completely... I hear noise in the background over there. Is there something going on over there? I don't know. What kind of noise? Like, is the TV on or something? Um, no, I think Bobby's talking in another room. You want me to shut that? I mean, maybe tell her to ask, or ask her to close the door, maybe, okay. or something. Okay, hold on. I'll, I'll do that. Is that any better? Yeah, I think that's better. Okay, she was on speakerphone, and they, they both talk loud. What can I tell you? Okay, yeah. Well, I, I guess the point is, is that... Um, China, because of, like, their lack of, uh, you know, like, civil liberties and protections of citizens to, like, move about freely and stuff, has gone way above and beyond what I think the United States would be capable of doing or what the United States citizenry would accept. I agree. And, I agree with that. But in the beginning, don't you remember, they were in denial and they refused to tell? Yeah. I mean, look, it's hard to say, right? Like, we, we don't really know. But the data, indic- like, I've seen data that basically suggests that at the rate of spread that we know about at this point, we're, like, on track to be second place in, like, per capita infection rate after Italy. That's that's the data that I've seen. Um, <laughs> I can I can still hear her. I close the door. She's behind the door talking on the phone. What can I do? She's just talking loudly. Okay. Um, has the way that this whole thing's unfolded and the way that our government has responded, like, changed or altered your, uh, like, perception of the United States as... Like, it's fair to say that you are, you believe in American exceptionalism, right? Yeah, of course. And um, no, has, it, has hasn't, this, it hasn't, has, it hasn't changed. It's reinforced my belief because we closed down that China corridor very quickly. Unlike, if, unlike like, Europe. But if, for example, like South Korea was able to test in the first week of, since the first reported case, 10,000 people a day. And at this point, like we, you know, are far, far behind. I don't even know if we've tested ten thousand people up until now. Yeah, we're behind the curve because it was all because the because the laws are set up that all that testing had to be done by by the U.S. government. Um, you know, instead of local, uh, it, it 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 hampered everything and it was limited. But doesn't it, it doesn't that doesn't it was a that doesn't change or alter your understanding that like the united states is the greatest country on earth that has the ability to like be the leader of like fighting this global epidemic and showing what you know like a great 
uh, robust uh, response would look like or something? No, I don't believe that. I believe that, um, you know, look, when the government is controlling things, obviously the government is not the most uh, effective way to run things. And that's that's why I'm a strong believer in, in um, capitalism. But the, the, the point being... Um, yes, the government's going to screw things up, and they did, and um, it's unfortunate. But I got no doubt in my mind that when a virus eventually, when, when, a, when a, a vaccine eventually comes out, it'll be the U.S. scientists who discover it. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think anybody else in the world has the capabilities we have, or the the. Um, ability that we have to to go ahead and and fight these things let's talk for a second about i've been like kind of i've always had like a fascination with jonas salk i think because growing up in san diego you just like heard a lot about him right but because of the salk institute because the salk institute is based in san diego but if we could for a second just like talk about how uh that how the response to polio is different than what you're essentially saying, right? Which is that, like, if the government controls things or if the government is, like, in charge, then it's, like, incompetent. Because what happened with uh, polio was uh, Roosevelt, who suffered from polio, founded, you know, the March of Dimes and also gave a lot of public funding to Jonas Salk's research. He was able to come up with the cure for polio. And there's that, like, famous soundbite. Who owns the patent on this vaccine? Well, the people, I, I would say, there is no patent. This is, could you patent the sun? <laughs> could you patent the sun, right? Correct. And the idea there was, like, it was public funds and, like, donations uh, that drove the research and development of the cure for polio that Jonas Salk then gave away for free to the world because he realized it was far too important to try to profit off of. Mm-hmm. In the course of American history, a lot of the great... Uh, advancements in technology and science have been have come through public funds and the people like the actual scientists who are on the forefront of this shit they're not really doing it because they're driven by profit motives they're doing it because they care about science and they care about helping people right yes but also profit has a large part of it profit is a big part of it if you if a company's got to spend you know tons of money to do research um they're doing it because they're spending that money and all of that time and energy because at the end they want to recover uh what they spent and make a profit that's that's but a lot of that don't do you not i mean do you not see that a lot of that research and development that you're talking about right like a lot of the institutes for disease and whatever what's it called the institute for disease control and prevention and the cdc and then also like all of the research universities like the salk institute like all the research uh organizations in san diego that are doing research at these publicly funded universities and labs a large part of the funding comes from us. Like, it comes from the taxpayer. You're starting to sound and like Obama who said, um, hey, if you're a business owner, you didn't build that. You know, you, you depended on um, the roads to get to your job. You depended on the, all the money the public has spent you know, to get you to, to the point that you're how, able to. How can you? It, it's not the point. The point is, so the government helps. The government yeah. helps. But, it's, but do you but not it's, see that now, like in this in this epidemic, what is being 
asked for from the government is socialism. Do you We're do you think for- do you think that a company um, let's assume let's let's name Johnson and Johnson or Pfizer or Merck or any of them? Do you think a company that develops this um, vaccine that's going to cure this or get rid of this virus is, is going to produce it for nothing or they should? Is that what you're saying? I, they should? No. No, yes. First of all, yes, they should. Okay. Well, then why would if, they spend if, the time and energy to develop it? Then they shouldn't. Then the then the public institutions should. Because what public I'm institutions is, can't. Sure they can. They, this is they, a different this is a, this is a whole different conversation you've got us on on a tangent here. Well, from, I think from, it's related because I, I think that every expert, including Dr. Fauci, who you respect and admire, will tell you that there is no way that this uh, this crisis can be combated without very over overarching uh, governmental action, public partner relationships, but they need to be more or less steered and directed by a government that's making like very big no uh, pol- no that's not what decisions. he's saying. What he's saying is the government is uh, providing the funding for a lot of it. But exactly. it's but it's private entrepreneurship. Exactly. It's private practice that's that's going to develop the the cure for this thing, right? Like well, what I'm else. saying is this. What I'm saying is, well, uh, do you think? Do you the, think? Go, go back in time. Polio. Go back to your earlier thing. Do you think Jonas Salk made nothing on that? He became uh, he Jonas, became a, a world renowned uh, guy. He has a big institute here. He made it. He made a ton of money. Jo- the cure for polio, okay, or the va- the vaccine for polio, which probably saved like millions and millions and millions of lives. Mm-hmm. The mechanism that fueled that uh, activity was not the, the the interest of Jonas Salk to make a profit, and I think that it's like a a, a glaring uh, example of an instance where like a giant global public health. Uh, crisis was largely thwarted by the like do-gooder energy of a bunch of scientists and like public funds and donations that came from people's pockets via the March of Dimes to contribute to this effort because people thought that it was important and that it shouldn't be left in the hands of like private interests driven by profit. Let's say for example that someone comes up with a vaccine, okay? Someone comes up with a vaccine for this disease. I don't care if it's a company or it's a public hospital or research institution, but there is a vaccine that exists. What Do you think that it's like an acceptable policy that that vaccine should cost $300 to get? And that everyone who needs to get it you you see what I'm saying? Like you're trying to curb the spread of this disease by making sure everybody possible is has this vaccine, and you're gonna something that's so important as that you're gonna put a barrier there and say everyone who's gonna get this vaccine should cough up three hundred bucks. No, I I don't want to talk about three hundred bucks because I don't know what it will cost. And all I'm trying to tell you is, you're not gonna get companies private companies to go spend time and energy and effort and money to develop mm-hmm. something that's beneficial to all mankind we all agree um, mm-hmm. and not get not get profit out of it it's just not going to happen then they shouldn't then they shouldn't do it or or but then the, it won't be done like, but then it won't be done sure it will no it sure won't. it will no, i it mean won't. it still can be done no why it won't. not no, it won't. those scientists 
those scientists can. You still want to take us back to the dark ages, my friend, where nothing was done. It won't happen. It how won't happen because money cured? is an incentive. How many, how many lives were? Do you think that Jonas Salk is like an ahistorical case that he, that 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 somehow? Uh, if it wasn't for the ability of people to make a profit, like pol- we would still all have polio. No, of course not. So then, why? Like, how is that not an example that is applicable here? That there is like public funds and public institutions, resources that, uh, to be totally honest with you, are being spent, right? And are being there's grants and public funds that are being given to research institutions that are doing this research, and that's being also aided and helped by private companies who are then going to benefit, right? They're then going to benefit uh, in terms of profits by putting a patent on something mm-hmm. that was contributed to in large part by public funds. You don't have any problem with that. You think that's okay? I think that's the nature of, that's human nature. That's the way business works. So you what can't... about polio? That, so polio, like how did polio get cured in your mind? Because Jonas Salk... They didn't give like, that yeah, vaccine sure he, away. He bought himself they a didn't, very nice house they didn't, in Mount Soledad. They did not but, give that vaccine out for free. Sure they did. I don't think so. He gave. He didn't patent it. He gave it to the world. He, they gave it to the poorest country. They gave it to a handful of countries Who made in it? Europe. Who manufactured it? I, I don't really know, to be okay, honest well, with you. Companies, is, companies manufactured it, and companies do that for profit. I think that there are global organizations and national institutions like the World Health Organization and the CDC and a bunch of companies that also are receiving subsidies and, and grants from the United States government, i.e. the taxpayer, to fund these things. So, you see what I'm saying? It's like, I think that we are at a moment that is way too important to be focusing on uh, allowing for-profit companies to dictate the terms. Nobody's of- nobody's allowing anybody to dictate anything. The market will dictate price. The bottom line is. But do you understand that the market is not equipped to address a global pandemic? Free market capitalism is not catered to uh, making sure. Like in a public health crisis, what you need is for everybody possible, including people who can't afford it, including poor people, to be able to get. And they, and they, and they will, the because test. there'll be all kinds of subsidies for people who can't afford it to get it. Exactly. But that's what I'm saying. That is what but is those subsidies will be paid to the drug manufacturers who, who develop it. Right. But we're also paying those subsidies to the Centers for Disease Control and to uh, the, the people who pay Dr. Fauci's salary. Um, like all of these giant, uh, like the $1.5 trillion that was injected into the stock market last week. All of that stuff comes from the the United States taxpayer. So what I'm saying is, like, I think there's a consensus, and I'm sure you will agree with me here, that, like, this crisis that we're facing is far too great and important to be overcome simply by allowing the free markets to operate and, and solve this problem. Because no, the whole world if, is trying to focus on solving the problem, and the government, is, as well as a lot of private organizations, are throwing a lot of money at it. But what I'm right. saying is the people who are spending the time and energy researching it and will be de- spending time and energy developing it are, I believe, entitled to make a profit on it. Well, go tell that to 
the doctors and nurses and first responders and people who work in these nursing homes who are risking their lives to go every day and treat people that have this illness. Because as much as one day eventually having a vaccine is important, those, like, the collective efforts of all of these people, really, needs to be, like, applauded. It needs to be guaranteed that the It absolutely to needs to be applauded. I'm, you know, I was yeah. a first responder. Yes, absolutely needs to be re- And what I'm saying is, it's like, you as a police officer or this, you know, whatever, my neighbor as a nurse who's going to a hospital where there's known cases of these people having the virus, those people are not being motivated and driven by a profit incentive right they're getting paid for their job to do their job if they weren't getting paid they're getting if that nurse wasn't getting paid she wouldn't be going to that hospital i gotta tell you that you don't necessarily first of all you don't necessarily know come on second of all all, there's there's no she has to feed her family as well she has i'm assuming she has kids and a husband and she has she has to earn her living as well come on of course that's what drives the economy of course, she has to earn her living as well. Okay. But what I'm saying and is, if she wasn't like, get, if she wasn't getting paid to go to that hospital, she'd have to go somewhere else. She's not making any additional profit. She's not benefiting any more or less than she that's, normally that's, would. That's be. the job she There's signed no, up for. That's the job she's exactly, getting a salary but, to do. Sure, but in the same instance, then I think that these companies that are looking for a way to corner the market here and like profit nobody's looking to corner the market here nobody's saying that what you're saying is nobody's entitled to a profit because it's so needed everything in life is needed Uh, what i'm saying is we shouldn't rely on right right now toilet paper is needed do you think that the toilet paper companies are not making money do you think that the water companies are not making money everybody's making money of course, everybody's making money. But what I'm saying people is, need water. Think, people need water too, to survive. So, give it to us for free. I mean, where does it absolutely. end? You sound well, like Bernie. Okay. Where does it this, end? Give us college for to, free. Give us this for free. Give me that for free. I'm sorry, but somebody's got to pay for it. This leads to very neatly to my next question, Good. which is, what should be done? I have a lot of friends that are freelancers. I have a lot of friends that work in bars and restaurants. I have a lot of friends who are DJs and yoga teachers. And these are people who, like, as of last week, are either out of work or, like, very diminished in terms of the amount of money that they're... I agree. I have have friends doing the same thing. I understand. And what I've been telling them, because a lot of people call me and ask me, because, you know, like, I I, work in the news and sort of, like... A world leader. Maybe... Well, not I, like not that I'm some like economic advisor, but people just ask me my opinion, and I tell them like, look, if you if you're not making money right now, uh, you shouldn't be paying rent. And like, it's it's my argument is like, it's out of a necessity. I saw like, your I saw people, your post um, about that. Yeah. So um, yeah. I don't know. The landlord, the landlord, the landlord is paying taxes on that building. The landlord is paying to upkeep that building. I'm sure it's the winter time. The landlord's paying for fuel for that building. Mm -hmm. The landlord's paying for a lot of things to keep that building. He's paying a mortgage on on that Mm -hmm. building. And if you're not going to pay rent, what is he supposed to do? Okay, here's my here's my argument. If the landlord is paying a mortgage and the landlord is... So so basically, like, let's just say, for example, my friend, let's call her Jessica. Jessica uh, is a yoga teacher, okay? And as of last week, Jessica can no longer 
make any money because the yoga classes are all canceled. So now Jessica has, let's just say maybe she has $2,000 in her checking account and her rent is $1,000. Come April 1st, right? And maybe between now and April 1st, she spent a few hundred dollars on supplies and food and stuff like that. Come April 1st, do you think it's advisable for Jessica to give out of the $1,700 she has left a thousand? You said the the magic word, give. It's not give. She's compensating somebody for giving her something. It's a trade. Wait, wait, wait. it was an agreement. She signed Mm -hmm. a lease, I'm assuming. There's an agreement. She will pay so much for the right to use that rent. Now, let's assume, do you remember, you might be too young to remember when the Bronx was burning. No, but I've read about it. Okay, so let me me make the comparison, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, There was, in New York, there were very strict laws about rent increases, okay? It was called rental control. And landlords weren't allowed to raise the rent more than a a very minuscule amount every year or two, whenever the lease was up. But yet, their costs were going up. And so a lot of landlords walked away from their buildings. They couldn't afford. Right. And what happened? Right. What happened? Um, they lit them on fire. I mean, in the lot either of either they, they lit, lit them, them on fire. fire and collected the, the insurance money, or they just yeah. walked away and didn't do that. And yeah. and um, thieves went in and stole all the copper and and ripped right. out and you know and ruined the buildings. And now nobody could live there. So yeah. that's the other alternative. You're going to have anarchy or what? You know, okay, here's what I here's what I think. Okay, you think all landlords um, are rich? All landlords no, can afford not look, to get that rent? I'm money? not saying I'm not saying that all landlords are rich, but like Jessica in my example, is her income has been cut off because the yoga studio. She's going to have to make some okay. decisions like everybody else based on her priorities. Yes. Hang on, hang and on, she hang and on. if she faced me, the choice of eating or going mm-hmm. out and living in her car, then that's mm-hmm. a choice she's going to face because she should get evicted if she doesn't pay the rent. It's as simple as well, that. Here's here's uh, here's what I'm telling these people. When they I think me, I okay? wait, wait. Let me back it up. I think what Trump is trying to do is alleviate. A lot of those concerns from a lot of those people by putting in um, all kinds of ben- protections so that this doesn't happen because yeah. well, of this because of this first, crisis. Yeah, from a first-hand example of me myself, I will tell you, he said in a press conference this weekend, or I think on Friday, that uh, he was waiving student loan interest right in the in the interim. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't affect people like me because I've refinanced my student loan. So you made it. You made it. Wait, wait, wait. You made a decision. Yeah. For, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not saying it was a bad decision. It was a good decision. You made a decision right. to yeah. to refinance and go to a different company. And now it's not mm-hmm. considered a student loan. I mean, th- that was a decision you made because okay, it was it was in your yeah. best interest to do that. That's right. So now you're saying, well, I'm, I'm being punished because I was made a wise decision. No. I mean, well, that's, no. that's called is, life. What I'm saying is, that's called life. What I'm saying is, okay, it was still a, it's still considered a student loan, okay? Then you should it's be. It's just now been refinanced and serviced by this company. And when I called them, they said, we at this point aren't going to waive the interest, but we're, but we're, we're aware that the president has announced the policy and we're going to sort of figure it out. So I'm sure it'll be figured out. And I'm, and I'm sure if there's enough people in the same position as you, something will be done to protect you as well. Exactly. Exactly. Now, going back to the example of people not paying the rent, okay? If me as an individual, like me as a, a tenant, okay? If I have 
$1,500 in my checking account, and then it's the 1st of April, and I have no income, and no income in the foreseeable future, like no guarantee that anyone is going to give me any liquid money, and I'm living in uh, a situation where there's no transportation, the streets are shut down, maybe, cre like, I've, I can't, you know, I haven't been able to pay my credit cards, I have no ability to access any sort of capital in order to buy things like food or to put gas in my car or whatever, okay? April 1st comes around, and I'm cash-strapped. Am I going to give two-thirds of the total liquid cash I have to my landlord? The answer is, I don't think I should. I don't think you should, if that's your situation. Let me ask you Let me ask you a question. On, no, let me, let me interrupt done. you. I let me interrupt done. you. Let's assume May 1st <sighs> comes, and you now no longer have money for food. Are you supposed yeah. to go in and get an order of food and not pay for it because you don't have the money? Is that okay? At what point... At what point is it okay not to pay for a service you're getting? I will tell you. I will tell you. Okay? Go ahead. If, if, I'm a, if I make the decision not to pay my rent, okay? What I'm doing essentially there is I am not honoring the terms of the contract. Okay? Correct. And businesses, businesses do this all the time. People do this all the time. Absolutely. And very, the landlord will then a have very, a decision to make if they yeah. want to evict you. No, it's not, up to the, it's not exclusively up to the landlord. And if you'll just let me get through this, I really appreciate it. Well, okay, I, go I, for it. Okay, so if I decide not to pay my rent on the first, okay? In, in the case of almost every uh, tenant agreement that I've ever been a part of, you give uh, first month's rent, last month's rent, and a security deposit ahead of time. So, essentially, there's two months' rent worth of cushion that the landlord is holding, okay? That's first of all. Second of all, in New York City, as in Los Angeles, San Francisco, a lot of major cities, and I think most uh, rent situations in this country, there's specific protections put in place to protect the rights of tenants, okay? So... What you're essentially doing, if you're not honoring the terms of your contract by not paying rent, is you're putting the impetus on the landlord and the local government to then make the decision. And I'm going to tell you this. In Miami, they've already announced that they're suspending evictions. I'm assuming that in a lot of other major cities, they're going to do the same. Because they know that there's going to be a lot of people who aren't able to afford their rent. And when those people don't afford their, their rent, if you evict them and put them out on the streets... You are not helping the situation. So if the landlord, hang on, I'm not done. If the <laughs> How landlord, did you know I, was I hear ready? you breathing. I heard you inhale. I can hear your inhale. I was about if to. The landlord, I was about to, but I'll let you finish your I know, point. But, but let I'll, me finish. Let's get to let it. Let me finish. Let's get to it. If the landlord doesn't pay their mortgage, then the impetus is on the bank, and at the and at the end of the day, what the like what it comes down to where the rubber meets the road on this shit is is a police officer going to come to your apartment and drag you out of your house if that starts to happen first of all i i think that that would be such terrible uh public relations disaster for a city government and that's why a lot of cities are taking this measure to uh make like a moratorium on evictions because they know that that like at the end of the day that's not first of all it's you know inhumane and second of all it's gonna make this whole problem worse so, so, where so let me let me see if i got you straight so you mm -hmm. feel 
Everybody okay. in this country is entitled to medical care. That's that's your Bernie uh, argument, right? Medicare for all. Everybody in the country is entitled to medical care. Now you're saying everybody in this country is entitled to um, a place to stay, a place to live, uh, whether they can afford to pay for it or not. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I, I look, is that what, what you're I'm saying? saying? Is no. Let me let me or tell you. Or is it only in the time of crisis? I think if that it's only in a time large... of crisis, we have to build in a way, a means to get over that hump, to get over that crisis, to help mm-hmm. those people. I agree with that. Yeah. I agree. And with if they that. don't have a cash, if they don't, if no one's going to write them a check before the time when their rent is due, I think it is ill-advised for someone to give a, a, the, their ability to feed themselves to someone for a service rendered. Because that is essentially honoring a contract that then cripples, in this case, the tenant. What you're saying, that, what like, you're saying you is, lawyer, what you're saying is, you no, lawyer, you hang on, you, a, you hang on. What you're, what you're saying is, it's because it's easier not to pay my rent because it's going to take the landlord a while to do anything about that. It's easier to do that than not pay for food because I, I it's. That's a you cash. Have to eat. That's a cash and carry deal. I don't get the food unless I give them over money. That's what you're saying. You're making absolutely. a trade-off. You're making a trade-off. Absolutely. Well, absolutely. And I don't agree with that. I think that's anarchy. But the that's government, the government that's, will build. Dad, you are a lawyer. Let right? me finish. Let me finish. The people government break contracts you're not, all the time. You're talking over people me. People break contracts. You're talking over me again, Ross. You always do. Right. The government will build in, and Trump is working on this. But they will build in mm-hmm. a means to get past this crisis. But mm-hmm. what you're trying to do is say. Whether there's a crisis or not, people have a right not to pay their rent if they're not if they don't have any income, and that's bullshit. No, let me tell you what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, a rent agreement is a contract, okay? And a contract has stipulations. Some of those stipulations are mechanisms of enforcement, okay? Now, if you are under duress because of economic hardship, and is, let's just say. My, the case of my friend who's a yoga teacher, my friend who's a waiter, my friend who's a freelancer who now has no income and needs some way to What about to the homeless people? Do they all have the right to just move into empty apartments and live there? If there's no one living in them right now, I mean, I, I don't know. That, that's a, <laughs> and then, that's a, and that's what a, if it comes down to, well, there's somebody look, living there, but they're that, weaker than me, and I got a bat, and I can throw them there's out. There's legally... Okay, Where, do I mean, like, I, I Where do you draw well, the line? Where do you draw the line? The law... Okay, the law in most places has addressed that issue, and it's called squatters' rights. We don't need to have a conversation right now about squatters' rights, but like, suffice it to say, the example you're bringing up has been hashed out in the courts, and there are protections in place for people who inhabit uh, houses or apartments. Let's not that mix are disoc- apples and oranges. Okay, we're dealing with a time of crisis here, and That's so right. except exceptions are built in, or will be are being worked on. Okay, they will be built yeah. in. There uh-huh. will be protections for people like your friend. There will be protections for through a crisis like this. But it's do a you temp- think on wait, the first of April? It's a temporary deal. For a crisis, you're talking like that. this is going to be always the case because that's what no. you want to do. You want to latch on to this and say, now we're entitled to free housing. What I'm saying is if by April 1st, okay, my friend who has barely enough money to pay for food 
is gonna is gonna have to either it's write a check her decision. For she will have to make that decision based on her needs, her thoughts, and her reasoning and her logic. Exactly, and she will do that. Exactly, but what, I guess what I'm saying is is like um, where the like businesses and individuals and people with a lot of money, including the way that Donald Trump has conducted business that when he was a businessman involves considering the possibility to breach a contract. It's a normal part of doing business. It's a normal part of everyday life. Bankruptcy is an entire genre of the law. And cities and governments around the world, and in the, including in the United States, have special protections in place that pertain to protecting the rights of tenants. You need to wait a certain amount of time before you evict someone. Cities are passing emergency measures to put a moratorium on evictions. And the reason why they're doing all those things is because, is because it's they a understand. crisis. Exactly. Okay, but yes, you're, but you're trying to latch on to this crisis. And then, why do you think that? Because I know you, Russ. I know you. And then your next argument will be that this is true for always. When I don't have any income, I can't pay my rent. That's your problem, landlord. It's not mine. Cities are shutting down bars and restaurants as of today and tomorrow, okay? There's going to be millions of people across the country that are going to have th this issue that we're talking about is going to face millions of people on April 1st. Understood. So if, if but they're trying to build it. Check, they're, hang on. They're going to have a check. They're going to have a check. If there's, okay, well, that's, I, that's, you know, that's to be seen. If between now and April 1st there's a check in the mail for those people, then I guess that, that then the issue will have been addressed before it comes to a head in the way that I'm describing. But short of that happening, I don't think people should cough up their limited that's, savings. That's, that's in your, the you're making your decision and trying to convey it on everybody else. Everybody no, will I'm have saying, to come to their own what decision. What I'm saying is when those people ask me, okay, people who you know that I'm friends with who work in industries that are going to be, that are already being decimated by this, and they're telling me, like, dude, I don't know how I'm going to pay the rent on in two weeks from now. Like, well, that's why they're working on trying to do something for the more immediate conditions, <laughs> such as unemployment insurance, um, where you will get money just like you were getting your salary. Inshallah, you are right. Inshallah. I just want to tell you one quick anecdote. Uh, and then I'm going to have to end it because I have to go to work. But oh, to earn um, money to be able to pay your I'm rent. Working, I'm working. I'm working remotely. <laughs> well, I also serve a function as a as a channel of uh, communication. You see, uh -huh. I will say one of the things I didn't say earlier that I think is kind of an interesting twist to the the story here is the day that I called you to tell you I didn't think you should come here was the day that I was producing uh, an interview segment with Anthony Fauci. Mm -hmm. And I think it might have been that interview that you saw the next day that started to change your mind. So uh -huh. whether you knew it or not, uh, I was... You were ahead, ahead of the curve. Well, no, I was like somehow influencing the information that got to you ah. that you didn't want to listen to me directly. <laughs> I don't know the answer to this one, but if my brother Dave wouldn't have canceled the party, I don't know what I would have done. <laughs> I, might, I might be in New York right now. For everyone listening, stay home. Stay home. Stay home.
stay home. It's only for a couple of weeks. Come on, just stay home. It might be longer than that, but we're doing it for your sake, Dad. And pay and nice. pay your rent, for God's sakes. I don't think you need to pay rent. If you can't afford it, call your dad. Call, they'll call you. They'll give out your phone number. <laughs> there you go. How about that? That's good. Give, it, give, out, give, your, give them your phone number, Dad. Uh, I, I would do that, except then, Russ, when you call me, I wouldn't have anything left. All right, don't give out your phone number. <laughs> I love you. Right. Love you, too, Dad. Take care. Bye. What a wonderful